Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. I am Pastor Zach, joined again by Pastor Dan, and we are here for the final Second Helpings of Timothy, of Second Timothy. That's right. Um, Paul has come to the conclusion of this letter to his dear brother, and as you talked about yesterday, is uh, soon to be meeting his end, which for him meant meeting his Lord. So uh, really cool kind of place to be when thinking about the, these conclusions Paul had. Um, so Dan, as we get into it, I just want to think, I, we, we just talked a moment ago about opportunities to look over these past two letters, uh, Paul's written to Timothy. We preached through them in succession. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of time between them in, yep. in real life. Um, but we preached through them in succession. We've now come to the close. Is there anything in particular, just big takeaways we want to make sure, from either one of them, but particularly Second Timothy, like, this is just thematically where you see Paul going or with his life as he's closing out towards the end of his ministry. Yeah, I think it centers on that idea of leadership and making sure that you lead well. And that means all the mix that's through here. You lead in opposing false teaching, watching your life and doctrine. You lead like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer. I think all of that can be put under that heading. And how you think about the gospel and how you think about God-centered living is going to fuel that ability. And he just resets the value marker for Timothy, that it is all absolutely worth it, Timothy. Keep engaging. The Word is the centerpiece from which you'll engage, uh, and don't fall into the ways in which the world would want to manipulate or uh, let you check out from your leadership or compromise in your leadership. So when he names names Hymenaeus Alexander, that's a big thing because he's saying there are real people that you're going to oppose, and so this is real-life stuff, but it really, really matters. And so do it well. Whoever you put in leadership, how you lead, all of that stuff is hugely important. Yeah. It's interesting to think about that. I mean, Paul is the leader, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's the preeminent leader. Timothy's obviously, we know, a bit of a younger guy who's come along. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's like a passing the baton situation, uh, but there's a sense in which Paul doesn't talk a lot about leadership earlier in his ministries, in yeah. his epistles. He's very concerned with doctrine and theology um, early on. But as he gets to this point, he's really kind of—not that doctrine and theology aren't practical— but he's really practical in the sense of saying, these are the things you need to be about. And the reason I say that is it's implicit that in Dan, in, in, in Dan, in Paul's good leadership, mm. he's already talked doctrine with Timothy. There's so much doctrine and theology that's actually not taken for granted in a bad way, mm. but not spoken to in these letters. Yeah. He knows what's in yeah. Timothy. He put it in Timothy, yeah. and now he's entrusting him to do this work with this church in Ephesus that he loves. He loves these people, and he probably knows he's never going to see them again. And I think one of the subtle things that people often uh, misunderstand is, because we think it today, kind of the economy or the... the um, I guess you consume consumerism of leadership. Mm. Leaders do this, 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 and this. Leaders do. That. He never says that in here, mm. but it's yeah. absolutely hitting all the markers. Yeah. And so, therefore, he doesn't commercialize the leadership yeah. of a technique. He's not a Tony Robbins, yeah. but he absolutely gives all the fundamental qualities of the inside-out kind of leadership. A leader that uh, performs and does what they do, not on the basis of kind of results, but on the basis of what is right, what is true, what is um, healthy for all people involved. And so, this is a fantastic uh, 
example of leadership, but not in a normal way we'd think it's rolled out as far as a product. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up because we we really there's a lot of good stuff on leadership and principle, but holistically, I think as a culture, we've kind of missed it. When we talk about leadership, it's we, we think almost the way we talk about it is the director, right? Like it's the person that directs things. Hmm. But the it, implicit in the word in leadership is to lead. You have to go somewhere. Like people yeah. follow you where yeah. you're going. Paul has walked this walk, like yeah. uh, walked this talk, I guess, right? He, Timothy's seen his life. He has um, laid himself down for the sake of the gospel and the people that are following after the gospel. He's modeled it well for Timothy. And though he doesn't come out and say, here's your seven steps for leadership, yeah. he's really just kind of tying up loose ends of what Timothy would have already seen yeah. in Paul's life over the years with him. Yeah, and we commercialize, so we particularly leadership stuff focus on how and what. Uh, it doesn't really focus on the why, because the product of leadership is not interested in the glory of God. Mm. Is the under the assumed undercurrent is money, yeah. and you'll be more successful. Results. <laughs> yeah. So this focuses on the why, yeah. then you get the what, and you get the how. So in other words, it just starts from understandably a biblical worldview, yeah. and so. I would encourage anybody who's a follower of Christ, yeah, learn leadership, but move past just the how and the what's. And you've got to go into the why's because if you miss the why's, eventually the what's and the how's don't matter. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm, I want to make a who's on first segment here. But back when doing uh, leadership stuff in the corporate world, I would, would talk to teams about the who's and what's are very important for like daily, like how you do things and mm -hmm. knock them out. But if you don't have the why and where, sure. you'll lose an organization. Why are we doing this? Where are we going? And that's where biblical leadership is very different. Yeah. It doesn't exclude, like we talked earlier in this series about blocking and tackling. Mm -hmm. There's very practical things of the everyday working of ministry. But if you don't know why you're doing it yeah. and where you're heading towards, it, you just it's you become automatons, you know. And yeah, we, we kind of see that in the New Testament with the Pharisees. Like they lost view yeah. of that, right? And then doing becomes the thing that's the most admirable versus yeah. being. Yeah. And if you ever jack those two up, yeah. um, you've got the makings for a great Pharisee because yeah. ultimately doing becomes more and more and more. And then you become a play actor. You're just, mm. you're in a play mm. and that's where community goes down because no one can get too close and community's devalued. Everything kind of goes down when that happens. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. The, 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 the scariness of hypocrisy. We just use that as a cut down now, but the idea that you're playing it's your life and you're just playing a part. Oh, that, yeah. That's terrifying. But we can yeah. get caught up even in our Christian circles of just doing, doing, doing this kind of Christian life instead of being like Christ. You've, you've missed the whole ball of wax there. No doubt. Yeah. So a lot a lot of good stuff here. I, I love the um, some some old names that come up in mm -hmm. this closing passage. By the way, I didn't say it. We're at the end of cha uh, chapter four here in <laughs> 2 Timothy 19 through 22. Uh, but these names that are sweet, I would think, mm. for Paul to speak, so so to speak, um, towards he gets towards the end, um, Prissa and Aquila, these people, that, uh, these people that he's had done real life mm. ministry with, things where you've seen kingdoms move, um, and then he gets to I was mentioning the final words to Timothy, the final words that we get to see penned, which I'm sure Paul's probably just concluding a letter, but these are the final things we see of Paul's ministry: mm -hmm. the Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you. It just seems simple, mm. but it also seems like an appropriate kind of tie-up for Paul's life. And when all is said and done, what Paul has been mm. trying to do his whole entire ministry since the Damascus Road is he wants these people to have the Lord to be with them, mm. to be with their spirit, to mm. be united in them. And what has it been about? Grace. 
Yeah. Right? The grace of God, the favor of God be with you. Which I think for those of us maybe that have had experiences where sometimes you think you just come from this horrible background. I know this gets used with Paul all the time, but it's a valid example of it. Who he was and who he ended up being mm. and selling himself, you know, like uh, the way that he did, it was all a work of grace. It was manifested in his life. He promoted it. He proclaimed it. It kept him from getting entangled in the foolish affairs of the world. Not that we think Paul was aloof to them, but he stayed about that grace from conversion till the end. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he knew what he was coming out of and what yeah. he was benefiting from in the end of it. Yeah, his story is really dramatic in that what is so crystal clear at the front end in Acts 9 that you're going to be a light to the Gentiles. You're going to take my message before kings, and you're going to suffer much. Um, and also the Jews were involved in that. Uh, at the end, you look at his life, and you go, that's exactly what happened. How in the world could that possibly happen? The grace of God. Yeah. And so it's it's shorthand yeah. for all the the long stories that all of us have. But the shorthand is, is this is functionally how life, this is the axis on which life turns. What are you called to? Then as you move through your life, you're constantly remembering what I'm called to, I'm also empowered for via His grace. And at the end, when you look back, not in the moment, but the end when you look back, you can see how that was all working itself together. So at the front, when you're looking at the windshield of your life, you can't figure it out. But when you look at the back, you totally get it. And what was the thing that was powering me through the whole time? It was the engine or the fuel, you could say, of God's grace. God's empowering His kindness to me when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Uh, I know I trust him that he has it and that he's in control and he'll enable me. And that's faith. So I've got the faith in that grace. And when that exchange happens, you can move forward. And so grace is not something you eat as much as you believe it exists. And when you engage your faith, God goes, it's there, that reservoir. Mm -hmm. And when you don't believe he has grace, when you say, I can't get along with this person or I can't mm -hmm. function in this situation, that great, that reservoir is sitting there. But you don't open the spigot. You don't have the faith. So it doesn't get applied. Mm. And people might think, well, that sounds like a kind of a psychological thing. I think it would be a psychological thing if it wasn't true. Yeah. In other words, if it wasn't it wasn't rooted in the teaching of Christ and in the what he has provided for us in his resurrection and what Paul lives out and Timothy's living out, then I would say, yeah, maybe that's just a thing you psych yourself up yeah. with. But when you see what he's provided and what the Holy Spirit has been given to us for, you go, no, this is actually the way I am sanctified. I believe. So I have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when you have faith and you believe, no, I can do this. No, I can function. No, I can make it through this. Then he'll strengthen you because that grace is applied to you. And that's exactly what he says, that he was strengthened when he was before uh, the court in Rome. And he felt that strength, recognized that strength. Philippians 4 talks about he learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, same word. So he grew into that. And so I think part of maturity and part of his final um, remarks is just as I grew into this, you're going to grow into this. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I trusted and relied on is exactly what you can and you can rely on like I did. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to realize what you'd said about the idea of Paul's incremental growth and the way that he's going through these processes. He's reflective on where he's been. He also says he encourages the churches to pray for them. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To, I don't just have this off 
pull, pull together. We think, oh, if I could only have the experiences Paul obviously had with the Lord, get called up into third heaven, yeah. you know, all these kind of things would be amazing. But there's this aspect in which Paul's still pursuing over and over again. There's so much for us to learn there. Like one, it's a team sport, right? <laughs> Christianity yeah. is, a, is, a, is a team effort here. Um, but we need to continue to be constantly striving forward. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way. Because that's not, I don't think you see the testimony of Paul's life. It's not that he's necessarily striving forward. Maybe a better way to say it is that he's pursuing the Lord. Yeah. He is in pursuit of this end. Um, and he knows it's going to, I mean, he doesn't know it's going to cost him his head, but it's going to cost him his life in this sense. But he's going after it. And it's kind of, you know, come up, man, man, it's worth it. Because he tasted of it. He saw it was good. And he just wanted more. Yeah, and I think that in some ways you can frame it that, in his sanctification, using some theological words here, in his sanctification, he's trying to live it up, live up to his justification. Mm-hmm. Not that he's earning it, but he's aspiring to live yeah. in the fullness that justification is. He wants to live in the fullness of that here and now. And I think those la- that last phrase, the Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you. So the grace is there, the Lord be with your spirit, meaning, Timothy, as you're coming to Rome, as you're walking into this, as we've said, this blender of persecution, that is uh, not favorable towards Christians. Uh, it's not that the Lord, I hope the Lord's with you. It's that I hope you apprehend. Mm-hmm. I hope that you yeah. remember yeah. that the Lord is with you. Yeah. So therefore that grace, that reservoir is there. Grace be to you or with you. But the idea is, is that first sentence there, that first part, the Lord be with your spirit. Believe that. Yep. Believe that in your spirit. So when you show up here and you might feel overwhelmed or people are giving you funny looks or threatening you, is remember he is with you. And that's how you apprehend the grace. Yeah, that's that's really good. This is the same guy that talks about you being sealed by the spirit. It's the concept. He's not saying this is aspirational. It is our understanding of being with the Lord and that he is present in what we're doing. It reminds me of John 17. It goes back to Jesus' idea of this being being one and being united with him, knowing the Father. This is eternal life that you may know of um, God and Jesus Christ, the Son. So the idea of it's not something we're trying to attain. It has mm-hmm. attained us. Sure. The Spirit of yep. God is around us. But we... Oh, I'm trying to be careful of my words here because I don't want to sound like I'm a prosperity well, preacher. But I was, we'll we'll take off from J.I. Packer, yeah. keeping in step with the Spirit. Who takes off from the... In other words, that's the same thing. Yeah. You're keeping in step with the Spirit, that the Spirit always gravitates you to Christ. Yes. And so what you're doing is you're trying to believe, believe that to believe the truth that the Holy Spirit reveals. And that's how you keep in step. You walk in truth. You walk in grace, believing that grace is being applied to you. It's been, you're sealed, justified. But it's sanctification, that's exactly what you're doing. So there's all these different expressions that are talking about the same dynamic. Yeah. Well, it's a, I think something really practical here is, is uh, thinking about this, giving some advice to people for, okay, this is great. I hear this. Paul's lived this life. We see how he's writing to Timothy. Uh, he's done well. I don't feel like I'm equipped to do that. Yeah. Like Paul must have been some kind of yeah. something happened on the Damascus Road where he got like an extra dose of grace or something that, that <laughs> had it work out, right? Um some practical ways that we can yeah. see from his life. Now, we're, we're doing a little bit of nuanced exegesis here, but it's fair yeah. to look at his life and say, what are some of the things that happened there that we could reasonably say we could apply to our life that we see in him, we see in his relationship with Timothy, we could go, okay, maybe these are some tactics that I could be able to apply to me honoring the Lord appropriately in the days he's given me. Yeah, I think the one we talked about yesterday, we've talked about before, is that idea of learn the secret of contentment, I can do all things for Christ. So when you look at the things that he went through and see that listing out of Second Corinthians, 
So he learns. So when he's spending a night and a day in the open sea, when he's being uh, whipped, when he's being rocks being thrown at him, when he's being reviled and screamed at, in those moments, he had to learn the fact that I don't like this moment, but God will strengthen me. Because if I wasn't going to be strengthened, if he didn't have an intention to strengthen me, I would never be here. So you take that and now bring it over into your work sphere, that I've got a deadline to do. I'm overwhelmed. I don't think I can do it. Well, hold on a second. You wouldn't have it if you couldn't do it. Now, if somebody said, well, I didn't start it when I should have started, Mm. that's on you. Mm. So what you do is you humble yourself, do the best you can, but go in reporting on that going, I apologize. I did not function. No, don't pride up or don't get offended when the boss holds you to it. But that's how you own your own flesh, but then also recognize how he is working in you. And then you seek to do better. You confess that. Or if you talk badly about your boss to a coworker and you feel convicted, okay, what do you do? You go confess to your coworker that was wrong. And in that way, you, uh, put to death the misdeeds of the body, Romans 8. That's keeping in step with the Spirit. That's believing I shouldn't have done that. Why? Because the truth of God's Word says that. So all that grace is there for me to humble myself, and I humble myself. I go back to the person, and somebody goes, well, but it might ruin your testimony. Actually, I think it will help your testimony because they knew you were wrong Mm -hmm. in the back of their mind. And so you do that, and that's keeping in the step with the Spirit. So in these different categories, whether it's the expectations of employment and work, whether it's how I talk about other people, whatever you know to be true, you walk in it. And when you don't, you believe that you're wrong, you go backwards, or if you're facing it, you believe you can, and you go forwards. And so this is immensely practical. I think the thing, though, is we don't do very often is there's this is the Scripture, and this is my life, and we don't build those bridges. Yeah. Okay, this is this, and this is a truly comparable situation in my life. And then work that out, because I think we've made it really easy to come and listen and learn and leave. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, we don't kind of massage it out. So that's why we're doing these types of things. That's why we have dialogues with people. That's why we should have people in our life that we can say, hey, I'm going through this. How does this work? You and I have some guys that we're talking to right now about a variety of things. And we go, think about this, and think about this, and think about this. And as you're in community, as you're in relationship, you learn and grow together. Yeah. That's one of the big takeaways I think I have from Paul's life in general. If you just open your table of contents, that's not an inspired part of the Bible, by the way, but there's something you can learn about Paul's ministry from it, is that when you see names in your table of contents for the books in the Bible, the name is usually about the guy who wrote the book, Obadiah, Joel, Isaiah, or whatever. Paul, there's not a book of Paul. Paul's writings are Mm, Romans, the Corinthians... I almost got a little choked up, man. Yeah. Like Timothy, yeah. uh, you know, Titus. They're two people. Like, and it's not, it's, there's just no one hitching of Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love Obadiah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All these books. But I love that as you see this, what was so integral, why we even know about Paul's ministry yeah. was his community with the brothers and sisters in Christ, mm. his striving with them for the sake of growing in who the Lord is. Remember, this is a guy who says, All I want is to know Christ Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Mm. That's what I'm going after. But what that meant was that he didn't just go spend all his time and trying to discover more about Christ Jesus. Yeah. He interacted with people yeah. to know who Christ was and to yeah. enjoy it. So the big takeaway for me, and maybe it's just part of how I'm wired, is the reminder that as you work with brothers and sisters in Christ through whether or not it's grand agreement or disagreements or whatever, as you're doing this, you are growing deeper in the knowledge of who the Lord is. I get, 
I get more Jesus out of Dan. Hmm. Dan somehow gets more Jesus out of me. I don't understand. <laughs> Dan's curious if that's a true statement. But as we interact with one another, that actually happens. And I don't mean in some weird hippie way. It's because we're seeing the sure. word and the grace that's been implanted in us worked out, right? And we saw that in Paul's life as well. Yeah, if you start thinking that you can be a Christian in isolation, it's a different kind of Christian that's ever been envisioned. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things people have to be careful in our world today, that if you're not mm -hmm. regularly engaging yeah. and extending and receiving grace oh, and being open with people, you're not growing the way you're intended. Oh, it's just not. And yeah. we see this in these relationships. The last people in starting in verse 19, he starts talking about this couple that he'd spent time with originally at Corinth because they'd been kicked out of Rome. And then they eventually go to Ephesus and he talks about a guy who was the treasurer at Corinth. So he's connected with a couple who are tent makers. He's connected with a civic leader mm. who of a, of a massive city at that yep. time. Then you've got an individual who just is tough as nails, but gets sick. Uh, you've got all these people that he rubs shoulders with, he yep. interacts with. And if you don't see that in your life, you go, well, then if Paul did this and then you see Christ, Christ's examples interact with people everywhere and in spending a time with a few, you never see anybody who's held up as a spiritual leader pulling back from people. Yeah. You just don't see that in the yeah. New Testament. You see that in the modern age because I think we often think spirituality is something it's not. We've mm. allowed culture to color what we think spirituality. Spirituality is tantamount to being aloof. Mm. It's a tantamount to being... A monk on a mountain, yeah, like someplace. unobtainable logic or yeah, something. Like that. Yeah, and, yeah, and being in something that I'm not willing to sacrifice, being by myself, so I don't get this spiritual communion with God. Yeah. Well, actually, they don't get the spiritual communion with God either because they're disobedient because they're called to make disciples. Yeah. So if they're not making disciples, you can't make disciples if you for seven years never saw a face. Oh yeah. Well, it's a huge part of your own discipleship. I think something that people miss when they think about the idea of making disciples is that as you are making disciples, you're also being made. Sure. Like, yeah. You're working that stuff out, right? Like the best way to yeah. like the people that have had the experience of doing something, they're better teachers and that stuff connects better. But if you've ever taught anything, yeah. if you think you're teaching or, or if you're teaching and you're not learning as you teach, yeah. you're doing it wrong, man. <laughs> like it's not working. Well. And I would parallel it with evangelism. In other words, I, when I'm reaching out to people, that's enabling me to be better at teaching the Bible as I'm giving the gospel oh, because yeah. I'm becoming well-rounded. The people that aren't sharing the gospel, if you're not sharing the gospel, you'll be a less effective teacher. You'll be a oh, yeah. effective father, mother. Why? Because you're not healthy in that area of your life. When you're healthy in that area of your life, enables you to be healthy all around. Like we've said, it's like a weightlifter who never has leg day. Yeah. Everybody looks at him and goes, wow, big muscles, but you're a bit of a freak. Yeah. We can tell you didn't weren't interested in being well-rounded, so you don't look as healthy as you could. Yeah. We used to talk about this when I played football. It was an anomaly. I was really, really good at my position, which was left tackle, which if you don't know, is the best, it's the most important <laughs> position on the football field. But I was uh, I was obnoxiously bad at the other positions on the offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> like you would have thought, being really good at one of them, that something would have relayed over. But the coaches would talk all the time about like you're a specialist, but you're kind of good for nothing else. Yeah, and I sure. think like we we could kind of do that. Like it's not. If you're going to be a specialist in something, it's probably sharing the gospel. That might mm. go over into the other areas of life. Mm. But you can't just be like, oh, man, I'm the best dad ever. I'm great. I'm there at all the games. Take care of my kids. My kids know they can trust in me. So what have you been teaching them about Jesus? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Nobody. Like, it's, that's, that's not the way it works for us. But that's what the culture is trying to tell us, I think. Just pick the other areas we can be really good at, and you can kind of leave out some of these other aspects. And um, 
it's just not only we don't see it in the Bible, we don't see it in Paul. Yeah, you don't see it anywhere. No, it's not what we're talking about. Yep. So this holistic style of living, I think, is something. Again, we I, I appreciate this, Dan, and I. I don't remember if I preached in this book or in the other book. I know we've all had to work through a little bit. The temptation in these epistles, I think, is to. We can want to find when we come want to look into the author situations and then impose things on the text that they're not saying in the text. Mm-hmm. There's like whole entire series of books that are oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So just so you guys know on the other side of the camera, this can be a little difficult to preach this stuff sometimes to go, it's just great speculation, but this isn't, you know, the ethereal intent we think here. I think we've done that well. Um, I'd like to give a parting shot to people. Now we, we do have a lot of these messages of it. They're all available online. Yeah. The website audio, some of them for this one are, are for second Timothy are available through our YouTube. So maybe go back and look at them, but at least go back and read these books mm. And let that stuff hit you afresh. Now that we've kind of capstoned it, mm-hmm. I would encourage people this week at least read Second Timothy. That's a that's a fifteen minute read. Easy most. read, yeah. Yeah, just burn Easy through read. it. Um, pay attention to what you're doing, but it'll be a blessing to you. So we look forward to moving on. Uh, thankfully, though, uh, chronologically, this was Paul's end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, you've alluded to a couple times in these past few weeks. I do not think Paul was um, had the kind of consternation that some might think about coming to the executioner's acts, right? No, uh, no, no. That was a... Uh, now, if you were to believe Philippians 2, he was looking forward to it. And if you think about the time frame, if he's saying this in the fall, September, most likely October, he says, bring it to me, uh, the cloak to me, in November to March, the shipping currents in Mediterranean, by and large, were shut down. In June, he is, he is killed. Mm. So you've got that time frame... And then a month that within the month, actually Nero commits suicide because the Praetorians come and form because the Senate says we've had enough. Yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting, almost like a tale of two different lives. Yeah. Nero, this guy who seemed to be somewhat solid and then eventually turned into this madman who is completely consumed with himself, dies the same month as Timothy, who some 32 years followed after mm. Christ, lived for Christ. And the difference between the two in eternity is obvious. One is heaven and one is hell. Yeah. Well, perspective changes a lot. Paul, not somebody who was seeking death, but met it with a smile, as opposed to somebody that was probably trying to avoid death by all means and meets it with a frown, right? Yeah, and he was trying to avoid the humiliation of dying at their hands. He wanted to be in control. You you could say, well, killing himself, he's really in control. That's the ultimate expression of control. Yeah, yeah. So there's good stuff here. We'll be moving on. we got a new summer series coming up, looking at the attributes of God. Looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Also, bit programming note, we're going to be finding a way to allow you guys to interact more quickly with us on the follow-ups to the second helping. So we're going to come up with an avenue for you to actually ask some questions that are really uh, relevant to the message so that we can try to clarify here. Yeah. It'll be like a virtual stump the chump for us kind of thing. We'll get the questions come in. Sounds exciting. If we can answer Yeah. We do these things on Monday, so you got to get the questions in fast. We want to <laughs> get our, our real reactions to them so they'll be good doing it so we look forward to that we're thankful that you guys have joined us over these uh these past few episodes for second timothy we'll continue mm-hmm. doing them uh dan thank you for bringing the word to us yeah. we we'll appreciate all those efforts and look forward to continuing with it as we go forward so until next time until we get back here with well we've got actually this week we'll have pat that's right so there if, if you catch this before the sermon make sure you're there sunday like it's gonna be a special time for our church because yeah. A lot of people do celebrating of graduating seniors. That's not what we're doing. Hmm. We're kind of doing that. But we're talking about how the whole entire body works together for the glory of God. And these are not 
simply people that are moving out of one. This is part of our ministry. Mm. We're going to celebrate together. Be a good time. Make sure you're there Sunday. Until then, stay focused on spreading the fame of God, making disciples of Jesus Christ, and enjoying every moment of it. Until then, see you later.